We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and joining me today, we have Alex the Boat Boatman. How the heck are you, Alex? You know, it's uh, it's going all right out here. Big game this weekend. Uh, tune in FS1, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Watch my Mountaineers take down number 15, Virginia Tech. Does he not know what show this podcast is for or what team this podcast is for? Only one school here pays me, Brian. Okay, so (laughs) do it. Blame the University of Idaho for that one. All right. I just like how you you move to like whatever the Appalachians, wherever the hell you are. Correct. And now you're officially like, Steelers in West Virginia, like on. Oh, it's perfect. I was already a Steelers fan, and then I get here and realize, wait a minute, everyone here is a Steelers fan. This is fantastic. I'm at home. I finally got out of the hellhole that is Pacific Northwest with all the Seahawk fans. Yes, yes, yes. Shots (laughs) fired. Okay, it's been it's been like man, my team's so far away my whole life, and now now it's like I turn on local TV, and there they are. Like I didn't have to like. You pay out the out of the freaking roof for uh, Sunday ticket to watch their their local feed. I actually get it on my list of channels. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling happy. We beat the Bills. I come on now, really be happy about it. We're not supposed to win that game. And somebody who's a better fan than every member of the Bills Mafia, the Professor Brian Marceau. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I. I was doing research for this Vandal podcast, but uh, thank God I just got my Appalachia update from Alex. Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still going to harp on this. I, we come here to talk about the Vandals in Moscow. Alex dives in, dude. We, you all know, we means uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, right, guys? That's what we means on this show. Yeah, we won. We beat the Bills. But anyway, doing great. <laughs> black and gold. Black and gold. <laughs> black and yellow. Black and whatever. Uh, and running the show from the shadows. Producer Dammer, how that are you, Dallas? I am fantastic, gentlemen. I'll leave you with four letters. M-M-F-S. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I accept I should know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Can you guess what the the middle two are, M and F? I'm I'm coming with a cat behind you, so no. Uh, Or we'll leave the explicit. (laughs) I am wearing a Rams hat. Oh, yeah. M and S. Our initials. Matthew uh, yeah, Stafford. For oh. the first time Mother, in Mother yeah, yeah. Stafford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dallas I, is having a great time. I didn't want to leave the great show time. off with, with ex- a, a huge explicit. But yes, Bowman, I am having the time of my life. I forgot what it looks like to have a real quarterback. He looked fantastic. And before we go any farther, I need to address the um MCFC and mile high comment. Call me a glory hunter. I want everyone to know that I am a Seattle Mariners fan through and through. I do not glory hunt. I'm a Vandal fan. Do not call me a glory hunter. If I was, I would have been a Boise State fan, but here I am also suffering through 20 years of Mariners suffrage. Okay. Still holding out hope. The Blue Jays are going to choke here. We're going to sweep the Red Sox somehow. Holding out hope and make the playoffs, but it won't happen. Not a glory hunter. Let me have this for the weekend. 
this show went off the rails rather quickly. But yes. uh, while, while we're off the rails, uh, is it crazy to think the Vandals have had like a significantly better past 22 years than the Seattle Mariners? I guess just 20 years, 20 years. Go Two Vandals. Decades. Go Vandals. Hey, so all you, Mar- all you Vandal fans out there that aren't Mariners fans, congratulations. You've had a better decade than uh, Alex and I. Uh, <laughs> anywho, on to like actually talking Idaho. This is going to be an interesting pod. I wasn't even aware of this. Sorry, long weekend down in Indiana. But apparently, we didn't do a review show. <laughs> is that, uh, I, I think I heard that through the grapevine. Somebody was like, hey, are you guys going to do a review? I was like, thought, thought, it, thought it happened. So we're going to do it today. So double whammy for all you guys. Because um, there's so much to cover from Indiana, of course. I will completely take the blame for no review show, guys. Uh, you want to send hate mail? Completely Brian Marceau. I can show you the receipts. I texted Dallas. Hey, let's just not do a show then. <laughs> and fair. to be fair, I didn't push back. I was like, yeah, that sounds good to me. That profanity. Dallas has been on the show Fuck less, so you, you can say this was uh peer pre- like un- unfair peer pressure from a supervisor or something like that. Whatever. Not that we have supervisors <laughs> on the show. Anyway, we're still off the rails. I'm gonna throw it back to Chris to keep on keep the show going on. Let's just start pulling some tabs. Brought to you by Huge River Expedition. Get this show. Woo. 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 I don't know what that was. That was a train back on the track for those of you that <laughs> Listeners are like, I don't even. That's probably even weirder than people, the people that watched it. Uh, go. All right, we're gonna go uh, cl- typical clockwise on for you watchers on the screens there. So we'll go Brian Boatman, myself, and then Dallas will jump in whenever he thinks we're being dumb or overly intelligent. Probably not much of the latter. Uh, Brian, pull your tap. We're gonna start off with: Did we learn anything? from Idaho going down 56 to 14 at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Quick stats just to go just to give you guys a reference point. Um Mike Beaudry is kind of our, our maybe the story of this game for us. Uh 23 completions thir- on 36 attempts for 100, 196 yards and two touchdowns. But uh I mean this is a game that like like our show guys. Uh this game is off the rails pretty quick. So, Boatman, what did we learn from this game? Yeah, um, from this game, you know, anytime you you have to go play a Power 5 opponent or any halfway decent opponent, special teams matter. Um, And this is the perfect tab for me to talk about because here I am, right? Um, We got exposed on special teams. We didn't really get a chance to to showcase uh, our coverage teams too much against a – against Simon Frazier. So the fact that we gave up 19.3 yards of return on punts is not great. Uh, you are having a lot, a lot of problems. Um, and then on kickoff return, we get up 37 yards of return on, on kickoffs, uh, which is not great too. So automatically we were putting ourselves in a hole. We give up a blocked punt. Um, you know, probably gave up multiple scores because of special teams. Anytime you go play an opponent like this or any half a decent opponent, we're playing Montana or Eastern Washington. You have to play clean here if you want a chance to win. Um, I do not envy these guys in practice uh, who probably just got to practice probably like a half an hour ago in Moscow uh, for their first practice of the week. Drilling special teams, they're going to be having a rough time. Um, you know, kind of breaking down some of the stats, though, that, that kind of showed me where how this game went. Um, you know, we averaged 4.3 yards of play. They averaged 4.8. Um, so we didn't get completely buried 
in terms of stats when you compare offenses to and defenses to each other. Uh, we held our own in that regards, um, but we need to convert more on third downs. You know, only going three of fifteen, three of fourteen is not great while getting up seven of fifteen. Um, so the fact we put them in fifteen third down situations uh, is fantastic, but we need to get make that more down closer to forty uh, to thirty five percent and boost ours up to about fifty percent as well if you want a chance to to compete in these games. Um, so some positives, I, I think there is. It's gonna be hard to pull those positives out of the stat line when you just look at the score. Right, go. Oh, Idaho lost fifty six to fourteen. If you dig down into it, the causations of that score line, and then also look for maybe some positives, um, like I was pulling out there from those numbers. Um, you know, there is a there is sign of life. We out through Indiana. I mean, I know they ran the ball a lot, but hey, that's we did something better than they did. We threw the ball better. So I will take that uh, every day of the week, especially in a Big Sky conference where quarterback play um, means a whole lot. Chris. Uh, yeah, what I learned from this uh, game, I don't want to step on the article too much, but Stephen Wiebe, uh, Stephen Wiebe, haven't met him yet, the new Lewiston Tribune, a beat writer for the Vandals, actually did a really good piece on this, so go check it out if, you know, pay if you don't pay the Lewiston Tribune already. Um, but he basically covered it. Special teams kind of, it, it made this game look a lot worse than it actually was. Um, that being said, I mean, there, there's still not like there's a ton of good to take away, but when you have two block punts, uh, one that actually gets ran back for a touchdown, then you have one that gave them the ball and they scored four plays later because it was like on Idaho's 32 and then they house a 81 yard touchdown. Not to mention we fumble in the red zone and get them easy scores. Like there's 21 to 28 points that were almost just given to Indiana in this one. Uh, that you can't really put on our defense, right? Like the defense all in all struggled with, I think it was Carr, that running back who came in from Indiana, the transfer from USC. He gave us a little bit of a hard time, rushed for something like over hundred and something yards. But uh, otherwise, like Trey Walker on fire, 16 total tackles. The defense, another guy, like we kind of t- t- touched on it last week. It appears it's going to be true. Noah Ellis appears to like, maybe have finally like figured it out this off season. And like, it's kind of showing bits of that potential. Uh, he was really clogging up holes, you know, and he was just in there interfering. Chuck O'Connell kind of looked, you saw flashes of old Chuck. So there's some positives to take away from there. All in all, I mean, like you said, the defense at the end of the day, Indiana is a good offense. It's probably their best offense they've ever had. It's deceiving because we just saw them come off of Iowa. That team is really good. And there was a reason why they are top, what, 17 team to start the season like they were extremely good i think our defense did a decent enough job i was actually surprised a little bit by how well the secondary played just because like just not something you're used to them seeing and they actually did a better than i thought not saying it was great but once again it's so hard to take anything away from this game the benefit though is like unlike simon fraser there are some things you can you've learned you can work on you're going to be able to learn that yeah the fact that we didn't punt against Simon Frazier killed us because when it came to a good team having to punt with no live game reps, we had flat out failed. We got blocked. We let one house for like 80-something yards. That's not good. But we know that now, and we, we can kind of take those things and work on it this week in practice. Where before coming off Simon Frazier, it's, oh, who's your dudes? Oh, this is so awesome. Um, everything like that. Uh, all in all, defense to wrap it up, play great. Offense still appears to be a little bit of a strong or like a weak spot. I don't think Indiana is a good defense, but I'm not gonna say they're 
you know, this is like, oh, it's a world beating defense. So it makes sense. Our offense had some of the struggles that it did. Uh, Beaudry looked, you know, fine pedestrian, not great, not bad. Um, I think you maybe see where this trend was going, which will, I don't want to flirt too much with the Oregon state game here, but it seems to me like the plan was to give each of these guys half in the D two game. And then each of them will get a majority in a power five game. We just saw Beaudry's power five game. I would expect we see a little bit more of CJ against Oregon state. Um, but we'll see. That's kind of my takeaway. It looks like this was Beaudry's game. Defense played decent. The score is deceiving because really our defense, our special teams gave up 21 points and our offense gave up seven points. So all in all defense, um, I would say, you know, if anything, it's like a C plus for this game it was by far our best unit. Brian. I might've watched a different game. Um, I mean, I'm not, I, I thought we were going to lose by a lot. And I think fans should have expected Indiana's a good power five team. So like, I'm not, not going to dwell too much on, on a ton of it. I don't, I don't think we learned a lot other than Idaho is certainly not the kind of team that's going to push a power five team right now, which means we're, there's probably no reason to believe we're going to push, you know, some of the top of our conference as far as I like, compete for a playoff spot. I don't think that, I think that stuff was kind of understood anyway. Um, a couple points that I'll hit on um, in, I mean, honestly, I kind of felt like we were Simon Frazier in, in this game compared to the week before, because uh, Indiana, they had subs in pretty early. They, they I think they could have scored hundred if they wanted to uh, 56 points on fewer than 350 yards of offense is pretty incredible. But um, you know, we saw control out there for the first time this year. And Cottrell looked uh, absolutely fine against Indiana. Uh, so I think he's going to continue to look solid. I think, you know, I'm not trying to take the cop out here. The big thing for us was to get out of there without a ton of injuries. And we, we did. We're, we, didn't lose it. we didn't lose any key guys that I'm aware of, Alex. Uh, and other than that, you know, we got to fund our athletic department in the way that matters for us. Um, I, I'll skip the quarterback thing for now, but... I, I know, I guess I just want us to get to a point sometime where we're not getting annihilated in some of these, uh, you know, FBS games, like, you know, like we did this time, like we talked about last week, Penn State, like we talked about in 2018, uh, Fresno State. But, um, I mean, the big thing for me to take away is in the same way that Vandal, that we, I thought we needed to do great against Simon Frazier to give us a nice headline to ignore this game. Uh, we didn't give ourselves any great positive headlines in my mind to fans, but we're playing the schedule, our schedule out of script. We should have killed Simon Fraser. We killed him. We should have lost to Indiana by a lot. And we did exhale. We're that much closer to the start of conference play Dallas. Yeah. I, I would probably second much of that. I wish I hadn't watched all of this game. Um, Indiana pulled their starters midway through the third. Uh, we held them to a punt. Incredibly. Uh, I think it was 42 seven at that point. Um, and then, or maybe it was 42, 14. It was right after we scored. It was 42, 14. They had one last drive with the starters. Then they punted. And then the it's second string guys came in after that. Um, I did feel the same way as you, Brian. Um, I think it does circle back to what, what boat and Chris said that uh, special teams obviously did not help when you're making possessions so short or, just a punt return touchdown. Those kind of things just add up and make things look worse than they are. I don't know if they could have hit a hundred points if they would have played starters all four quarters, but I don't 
I didn't see a bunch of positives there. I will say Beaudry, I thought, had a couple really nice throws that if that's Beaudry at his highest, that is a, a very good Big Sky quarterback. Um, I think what we've discussed at length for a season and a half now is the inconsistency is there, and there's sometimes the throws that are miles over a guy's head, and you're, you're kind of left wondering what happened there. Um, if he could iron out that inconsistency, I would feel much better about our quarterback spot as it is, but um, not a ton of other positives from that. It did. It felt to me, and we kind of spoke about it when we determined we weren't going to do a recap. This did feel to me the same way that it was, we were Simon Frazier uh, and we were outclassed in every single facet of the game. They were so much bigger, so much faster, uh, so much smarter. Uh, It just, it, it felt like, they they executed way better than we did, and, and they had the size and strength to back it up. And it is what it is. You you go get the huge paycheck. You live to fight another day. We got out of there without any major injuries that I can remember, and that's all you can hope for. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, like a couple more touch points here before I pull the next half. We only get up two sacks. Um, that's that's a that's a positive, right? We're playing a power five team. That's fantastic. Keep your quarterback clean. Uh, good to see from a young offensive line that we haven't seen much positives from the last spring in two games. Um, so, you know, look at it like that. Um, yeah, giving up special teams points. Never great. This is an Indiana team. I, I wouldn't say necessarily we were Simon Frazier, right? We held Simon Frazier to five yards of offense in the first half. Okay, we weren't quite that terrible. Um, this Indiana team is ranked 31st in the country according to the AP poll. Okay, do it that as you will. Good football team. We're an FCS team. Time to move on. Um, but speaking of sacks, keeping the quarterback clean, time for your perpetual Idaho talks about quarterbacks because here we are, folks. It wouldn't be a Tubs of Club podcast without us discussing our quarterback situation. Do you think if we ever like didn't talk about the quarterbacks, they just figure it out? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. we're the James. No, because no, it's been happening long before us. Never mind. Mm-hmm. What am I saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like everyone saw, Beaudry um, took, you know, a large majority of the snaps. CJ went 0 for 3, um, had one rushing attempt for five yards. Uh, you know, Beaudry, 23 for 36, 196 yards, two TDs uh, with a lawn of 23 and had 32 rushing yards. I mean, not a terrible stat line right against Power 5 team. Even against these backups, you are supposed to assume these backups could still play at a group of five level. Um, so, right. Not a terrible stat line from Beaudry. Um, Chris, I know you kind of hinted to what you want to talk about first. Uh, you know, do you think we're going to see more of CJ? I had kind of heard pregame that we were going to see Beaudry predominantly. I only got that information like right before kickoff. Um, so are you thinking we're going to see more of CJ? Or are you thinking, he, wait a minute, he's settled on CJ. He wants to save him for the conference. Or do you think he settled on Beaudry and this is our guy now? So... I think kind of what I said there, like, I think maybe there was a, a little bit of intention of like having them still play a little bit more, but obviously he started CJ. Well, he started Borish, but technically CJ played all the first, most of the first quarter against Simon Frazier. I thought that's kind of how it was going to be opposite this time. Mike gets first. It did seem he put Jordan in, I think with like 53 seconds left in the first gave him one possession basically. And uh, I, I think at that point he said, you know what? I'm just going to give Beaudry this. And honestly, I'm okay with that call. Beaudry coming from UConn. Uh, this is like a game and type of team. He's a little bit more comfortable playing. 
Uh, so I think having Beaudry and they're going quarterback competition, giving him the majority of the game against Indiana, letting him get into a full rhythm. And like we saw, or like Dallas said, probably his best performance and not second best performance we've seen out of him against probably the toughest team he's played. So like all in all, like you look at that and you go, okay, like maybe. Uh, I think with this next game, you'll probably see the same with CJ. I think Mike will still get like maybe a possession or two, but I think, and I would hope, I guess more so, that Paul is planning on having this be more of a CJ Jordan showcase game. One, CJ being from the state of Oregon, well, Washington, but basically the state of Oregon in the Portland area. Uh, this Oregon State game is going to feel a little bit more like home. There's probably some players in Oregon State he's played against in the, his high school ranks. So this is a team that CJ Jordan is probably going to be more comfortable playing against than the team like Indiana. Uh, in terms of like, not that either of them would be uncomfortable, right? But like, if I guess if you're the coach, like, this guy's probably seen some of these kids before. Let's give CJ Oregon State. Let's give Mike Indiana because, like, being at UConn, he probably some teams overlap, whatever. Uh, so I'm expecting this game we see, you know, 80% of the snaps going to CJ. I'd like to see maybe Boris get a little bit more of a run um, and then Mike one or two possessions. And I think that leads into your competition for UC Davis. Of, okay, we did a game where they each got half. We got a get power five game where each of them got to get in a rhythm and play the whole game. What do we think going in the conference play? I, I guess before we go on here, I, I have a question. Does this uh, does Bojic's performance against Indiana change your thought uh, on who maybe the starter should be? No, I'm still, you still on? Lead, I'm still leading Jordan. I just um, I've been less down on Bojic than other people. Um, this is more what I expected a Bojic led team to look like. Um, that's kind of what I saw. If is it, do I think he can replicate it every single week? No, I think it was one of his better ones, but I kind of agree with what Dallas said. Like, if Beaudry is the guy and we can have him a full season, I mean, we're, we should still be about where we thought we would be, especially since he's the one who helped us beat Eastern in week one last year. Like, I think Beaudry is an all right quarterback. I think we'll do all right with Beaudry at quarterback, but I think when we talk about the ceiling of this team could be high, that is basically the X factor of if CJ Jordan can kind of come out of nowhere and be one of those big sky quarterbacks that all of a sudden just takes over and our team goes from, you know, bottom dweller mid tier to top, like a sack state, like a UC Davis. Um, I think that's what we're looking at is like CJ Jordan could be that X factor that makes our ceiling a little higher. I think what we all predicted on is basically what we think like a Beaudry led team can do. Brian. Yeah. Um, I hope that what you're talking about, Chris, is is what we see on the field. As in, because also just from a, the the sake of understanding what people could do, it would be nice to see both guys get essentially a full game to call theirs. Because uh, yeah, CJ was out for two series. He did look a little. He looked a little nervous, uh, or I don't know. I don't want to say rattled. That sounds too strong. But um, some of the accuracy we we've talked about on this show with CJ that we were pretty ecstatic, ecstatic about. Uh, wasn't there in those three throws. He had a couple misses that, um, I mean, the, an, on an average game, I would have expected that to be a completion. And then he didn't come back in. Uh, I think if he had he come back in, I have no doubt he would have settled down and, you know, had, had a better stat line. But, um, you know, Beaudry was exactly the kind of thing we've seen for much of the season. And, you know, good news, bad news. Uh, the bad news, you know, 5.4 yards per attempt. Uh, we had that issue last season in the spring where um, Beaudry kind of struggles to break big plays. Now, I didn't expect big plays to be broken against Indiana. No one should have. 
But uh, 5.4 yards per attempt is right in line with being pretty dang conservative. And if that's what we're going to see out of Beaudry, we're going to have to see completion percentages like he had, which was 63.4%. That's fantastic. If he can do that, then those, you know, short passes can lead to more points that, you know, fingers crossed that that's the version of Beaudry. If that, if this is the offense we get with Beaudry, if he's playing, that's, this is the version that we get because that would be an improvement over the spring. If he played like that every game this spring, we would have won at least one more game. Um, I do hope we get to see more from CJ because I think the ceiling's higher, but also I think it was good for fans, even us, to get a reality check because CJ had only played against Southern Utah and Simon Frazier. And I bring that up because he's a freshman in, I know he's a weird COVID freshman, so he has extra eligibility, but if he's the guy, we're going to see some outings that are not as sharp because that's part of being young. Vandal fans just do have to get acquainted with this. We know he's, he can be very good, but we're going to see some performances that are not apex at some point. And we got to see a little bit of what he looked like and what, when he's not at his best and, I'm still okay with it. He was still still strong on the ground. Arm is still strong. Just need just need to settle down a little bit, and he would have been fine. So I think what I learned is, Chris, I hope your take is right because math wise, uh, Beaudry clearly is getting starter snaps over the course of the average of the two games. So if you're like us, we're you're kind of pulling for CJ. I hope he gets the full <clears throat> the full game. But if you're just going off of math at this point, you'd have to say Beaudry looks like the leader because he's the guy who's taken by far the greater volume of snaps. Yeah. Um, so real quick question before we pull onto a new tab. Let's say he does play this game. Looks whatever, not enough to win the job. Officially played in three games. He has one more save a red shirt. Is it officially kind of bench him in less emergency situation? Beaudry goes down. The he you're referring to is CJ, right? Yeah. Now, right? Like you're saying, like you said, we got, we got that free red shirt year on him almost. If, Paul doesn't think he's done enough. I think most of us will think he's done enough. Most everybody I basically talked to has said they think he's done enough. Paul doesn't. Is this one where you shelve him and only in case of emergency, like we are totally out, out. I guess the problem is with narrow. You have nobody else with snaps, but, um, well, Boris, duh, Boris. Uh, but you know, otherwise it's like, okay, well now you have this opportunity to actually redshirt and have him still be a redshirt freshman next year but then obviously you also got to talk to the player because he might be like no i don't want to be a junior who's a redshirt freshman yeah so i'm going to answer both parts really quick chris you the reason you forgot boris is because we need to hashtag let boris throw at some point if he's going to be quarterback we might as well see him throw once in a while but uh to answer your question yeah i mean if look if Beaudry wins the job if idaho season's going to go well he needs to keep the job so mm-hmm. yeah we have to hope that Beaudry puts us in a position where redshirting CJ is what you gonna what you're gonna do because all of us have said a thousand times we we think Idaho needs stability there we need a starter who is just our starter now the asterisk here is I think if the season if he's if Beaudry's named the starter in the season uh you know like let's say after homecoming isn't looking so great I do think we should look at okay let's we, we need to start transitioning for the next season but at this point Chris yeah. If Beaudry wins the job, you got to hope that, that he plays well enough that CJ Richards. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat there. Um, yeah, I think if Beaudry does win the job, you know, I I, I would rather see Beaudry when if he does win the job, I'd rather see him win the job and keep keep the job and not play two quarterback roulette. Um, this is obviously excluding Zach Borch because that just should not count. View him as your Taysom Hill. Idaho fans, just think of that in your mind, right? You're going to see him. You're going to see him in gadgety situations. Get used to it. That's what he's going to be. Even if CJ's a quarterback, we're still going to bring in Zach to to run some gadget plays. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think I would. And even if you're the player, um, even if you are the player and you don't want this job, I would be okay with being redshirted. And the only reason why is college athletics has changed so much to where players have freedoms um, to do more now than they ever used to. Uh, and I don't want to put this out there in the world, Idaho fans, but like that's just college athletics as a whole. You don't view guys. Not everyone stays for for four years or five years, and this is their team. Guys get free transfers now. You know, obviously we're viewing him as the guy no matter what come twenty twenty two. Um, but you have to look out for numero uno, and, and that and that is yourself um, and your own opportunities. Yeah, we don't um, need another Jake Luton, like somebody that just goes, oh, "I'm not getting the opportunity. I'm out," and then they well, I mean the NFL. And I, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, the Jake Lou situation is interesting, right? Um, and that's such a, you know, hindsight call. Um, Matt won us a bowl game that year. So it's really hard to say that you were going to, you're going to play Jake Luton. I think he had more talent, but he went with the safer situation and who he knew. Um, but anyway, that could get into that whole conversation. Um, and Jake did what was best for him. Right. So you mm-hmm. see guys make that call more now, but now you don't have to go that Juco route to get back up. You can just get that free transfer and go to another big sky school or mountain West school right away. Um, anyway, I, I think if it's not, I, I think we he should look to redshirt him unless you know shit does hit the fan, the train leaves the tracks, something bad happens, you know. But if you're gonna start Beaudry come UC Davis, start and play him until you know something bad happens. And then real quick, real quick shout out, shout out to Hayden Hatton. What a game, 10 catches, yeah. 94 yards, two touchdowns. That we haven't mentioned his name yet, and that kid is our best player against Indiana by far. Him and Trey Walker. Deserve all the credit in the world. Those are big time performances against big time against a big time team on a big time stage on national TV. So shout out to Hayden Hatton and shout out to Trey Walker. Yeah, we had an actual Indiana people behind me. You know, they're like, or you know, all around me. I was on their season ticket side for the first half. Uh, that were like, all right, who are your good players? So I kind of explained to them like our quarterback situation, and then Trey Walker, and then uh, Therese Trainer, and all those guys coming in, and Roshan. And then I go, well, like, if you're in, no one is number eight. And then literally every time he like had a tackle or whatever, they just go like, dude. And I'm like, I I mean, I it's not like I was guessing. I was telling you he was gonna be our best player. <laughs> but every time they'd be like, Hey, yeah, you're right. He's pretty good. It's like, yeah, he is. But and a uh, shout out to his dad, Albert. Uh I ran into him in the second half and kind of chatted with him. And uh he's a good guy, good guy. If anyone makes it to Davis, California, he's playing at a big old tailgate for that one. Um also be in Oregon State this weekend. You can't miss them. All those play, dude. The players' families are so fun. They all got like their kids' shirts, like the Trez trainer ones. They got like him in camp. But yeah, um, I don't know. It was good. Good time talking to Albert, and then uh, a couple of the other people I met. Shout out to uh, Matthew Janisak, who I got to meet too. One of our Patreon members. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Moving on from that. But Trey Walker, absolute beast. Dad, awesome. Patreons, also awesome. Um. Brian, I think you get a pull tab. Yeah, and I think we're closing in on talking about that other Power 5 game, Chris. Uh, Playing Oregon State this week in Corvallis. And other than the brain dead, like probably we want to have a score closer than what we saw in Indiana. We got to know what the goals are for Oregon State too. Because, I mean, Vandal fans, again, um, we this is just a world we're in right now financially. We're going to have to deal with playing two rough games a year right now and see what we can learn, not get too down on if the games are rough, and not get too high if we 
just, you know, we have some bright spots and think that means, you know, we're going to go win the championship or something. But Alex, you're the former player here, dude. What, what should our goals be for Oregon state? Again, don't shoot yourselves in the foot. Um, you know, take away, right. If you're going to lose a game, let it be because the team, the other team's better than you, not because you beat yourself. Right. And we're assuming the Oregon state's a better team. Don't don't assume that we know Oregon state is a better team right there in the pack 12, but don't make it because don't make the scoreline bigger like the Indiana game, because you make your own mistakes. Um, our goal should be play a clean special teams game. I cannot reiterate that enough, right? Like people always forget about this third phase of the game. I'm going to talk about it because here I am, but it, it matters, right? We're seeing, we're seeing big chunks of yardage happen on one play. Never in any other play in football is such a massive chunk of yardage up than a punt. They average 20, like on a part turn, they average 20 yards of punt return for Indiana because over the weekend, right? Like that's two first downs. You know, your chance of scoring goes up exponentially when you do that. We don't learn how to block, obviously, um, because that didn't work out so well for us. We give it two block punts. I mean, come on now. Like, I know Idaho, we're running the same damn protections that I ran when we were there, and we'd never really give a block punt. The only time you give a block punt wasn't because the protection broke down. It was because we did not correct it. I, I saw us actually give up a little block punt, the, the first one, and I knew exactly right away why it happened. I could I could see it. We didn't our protection didn't change the way it should have been. Those are just little mental mistakes that you cannot make in games like this or games moving forward. So we got to clean up that execution um, because if we do even want to beat UC Davis, where we actually had a punt blocked in 2018 because we had bad execution, we can't we can't have another punt blocked. Like that's just unacceptable. And I know those guys today. Today is punt day. Tuesday is the day you go over punt. When we played Fresno State in 2018, we had two field goals blocked. We did, we ran 30 straight reps of PAT field goal block live. Like usually you don't go live and full out. Like you don't put ones v ones in that situation. Like and tell them just to like coach. Coach Petrino said we are going to go full out. I want you guys to go after everyone. We are working on protection. I have a feeling punt team today went a little bit longer a little bit more intense and it wasn't just the usual scout team guys out there. It was probably um, not a fun period to be involved with if I have to guess. So that's, that's my, that's my goal for the game. Clean up dumb mistakes starting in special teams, because if you can't fix it there, boy, guys, we are in for a long season. Yeah. So Bowman, real quick, I got a question for you before you move on. I did make the mistake for prepping for this episode of going to the dark, dark hole of all vandals. A lot of people were yes. calling for the special teams coordinator to be fired. Would you care to elaborate to the people what <laughs> the Idaho Vandal situation is for a special teams coordinator? And in that case, most of the FCS are G5. Yeah, I mean, our special teams coordinator is also uh, one of our linebacker coaches. It's uh, Adam Bresky. Um, he was there my my last year. Um, usually you don't have a, a designated special teams coordinator at the FCS or group of five level. You have a position coach as well. But they do take a lot of pride and responsibility in, the, in this part of the game. Um, so, But also, every special teams period, Coach Petrino is overseeing everything, right? He, he is really hands-on when it comes to special teams. So I know this does not make him happy. Um, you know, we just didn't execute our assignments right. And so I think it's not that you can't just, you're not just going to fire the special teams coordinator after one bad game. You know, we had a bad special teams game against Fresno state too, in 2018. Um, we've either had bad ones, but this is one of the worst ones I've seen 
which hurts me, <laughs> but um, we're, we, you're not just going to fire the special teams coordinator. Coach Bresky's great, um, but I will say Idaho special teams, when we go back to 2015-16, we were ranked towards the top of the country in ESPN efficiency and FBS and special teams. I'm not going to say it's, we had some great cover teams. We didn't work so good at returns, but there were some very specific individuals that made those teams great. They happened to wear number five for quite a few years and number 15 for quite a few years. Um, hold some NCAA records. So nothing against our new specialists, right? Like, but when you had guys like Cade and Rico, boy, it makes a hell of a difference. Um, so I think Vandal fans maybe expect to come down to earth in that regards. And I guess also, I'm going to go a long win on this. Logan Prescott usually has kick touchbacks, right? He didn't have um, any touchbacks this last week, which is unlike his numbers. Um, I don't know if it had to deal with the outside environment in, in Bloomington, Chris. I don't know if the weather was crisp at night or if the ball was maybe a little weird, but, um, you know, it was perfect. that. Okay. See, that's not, that's not good to hear. Um, you know, he's usually a touchback machine and, you know, instead of giving the ball 37 on average, we're getting the ball 25. There's a first down right there. So, um, maybe just a bad night for him. So if we can get back to touchbacks, it alleviates, uh, having to work your cover team. And then maybe also because he kicks so many touchbacks, our cover team doesn't get enough work all the time. So I'm just going down a rabbit hole of special teams here. I can talk to you guys for hours. Uh, cause I've sat in hours and hours of special teams meetings. Yeah. Um, Moving on from – I will try to cover something other than special teams other than I 100% agree with you. We'll probably get a couple opportunities to punt. Hopefully not, but probably. Um, big one for this is Oregon State has a little bit of a reputation of losing to FCS teams. Um, lost to Sac State. They've lost to Eastern Washington. They've had a multiple close games. Uh, this is one where it's actually brought up in Jonathan Smith's preview piece that he did at his press conference today where he brought up how, like, that is kind of something that they've had to deal with in recent years, uh, and he's hoping that his senior leadership could be a part of making sure that that doesn't happen and they don't sleep on an opponent. And he used Washington as an example and basically said, like, yes, FCS teams come across as inferior, and as we covered, they obviously are. They have less scholarships, less money, less funding. But obviously, as we saw this year, there's eight FCS games or wins over the FBS currently through two weeks, the most since 2017. So FBS teams uh, are losing, one of which happened to be a Pac-12 school. So it's something that's alive and well in Oregon State's minds. It's just something that we've got to, like, grind out. Um, you're not going to be like Eastern Washington that can beat UNLV giving away the ball. You're going to have to be like Montana that forces mistakes. Um, and whether we're going to be able to do that. The good news for us is if we don't, I don't think we're going to get the scoreline like we just did against Indiana. Jonathan Smith. Got his start at Idaho, right? Uh, he's from Oregon State, grad assistant, but he came to Idaho as part of uh, Erickson's first staff and then went all the way through Aki to the bowl game, um, coaching quarterbacks. Then he went to Montana and actually worked with Adam Bresky. So he's got a little bit of friendship there. In his whole breakdown, he just literally raves about how much he loves Moscow, Idaho. So, like, we've got that little bit going for us. We're even talks about he comes, he drives up to the Palouse in the summer still. He literally talks about how his favorite restaurant on earth. I enjoy the Breakfast Club for a bite of eggs and a great Benedict. He laughs. There's also another club I occasionally like to go to. Wink, wink. It's a great college town. So <laughs> uh, until last year, Jonathan Smith, a more frequent attender of the Corner Club than our producer Dallas Hammer, um, he's got a little. He's got a little soft spot for us. 
Uh, he talks Ow. about how he still has great friends up there. So, I mean, it, we don't know what the spread is. I I don't think he's going to take a pounding to us. The other thing to benefit from here, well, we'll get into this later with the next tap, but it's just going to be forcing mistakes. We didn't really cause Indiana any mistakes. In fact, they went every time they went for it on fourth down, they went three for three last week. You can't let that happen. They did a good job of getting on the third down. Boatman covered it. We started or caused 13 third down attempts or whatever out of Indiana. But when you let them convert over half of them and then you let them convert 100% on fourth downs, like you're going to have to get those stops to be competitive in these games. You can't let an FBS team just like continue to grind you down. I mean, Indiana's first drive went for like seven minutes. They kind of just like six yards, three yards, two yards, one yard, six yards, one yard, three yards, four yards. And like it just burned us down. And like we're going to have to come out a little stronger than that. If we're going to win the kickoff and take the ball, we can't go three and out. And then when we punt it back to them, we can't let them just have a methodical drive down the field. And then immediately when we get the ball back, shoot ourselves in the foot with a fumble and get in the ball in like the 30 yard line. Um, so for me, takeaway for this is we're just going to have to play a little tougher, a little tougher. Defense has got to get actually get those stops on third down and get those stops on fourth down. And then the offense can't be on three and outs. We can't be giving the way ball, giving the ball away. And we need to do a better job of taking away the ball. Brian. I want to see us come out and have a, a – I want us to look competitive early on. A Power 5 team, you should – Vandal fans need to be okay with the fact that we should lose this by multiple scores. But, Chris, you hit on it towards the end. Indiana – I mean, end of the first quarter, we had six total yards against Indiana. We're down 21-0. Uh, the game just isn't competitive. I want Idaho – my goal for this is for Idaho – I don't care if it's just one quarter. I would like it to be four quarters, but I want to see early – uh, I want to see Idaho try to hang in there for a while. And, you know, you guys have touched about turnovers, obviously. Uh, FCS teams can't afford to turn the ball over against FBS teams and think they're going to be competitive. We can't afford to give up special teams, you know, block puns. We can't give up kickoff returns for a touchdown. Th- th- those are just things that can't happen. And, yeah, we do want to clean them up. But big picture, I really want us to come out the gate with some fire because we've also seen in the past when Idaho teams do well, they – typically get to halftime with the lead. So are we going to lead it uh, against Oregon State at half? I mean, probably not. But I want us to look like a team that if we weren't playing Oregon State and we were playing, uh, you know, Montana maybe, or even, you know, Northern Arizona, I I want us to look like a team like, okay, well, yeah, I understand how this team could beat some of the teams, the big sky pretty bad. But fans do need to temper expectations a little bit. Oregon State just beat Hawaii. And two weeks ago, Hawaii beat top five Big Sky team, Portland State. So no matter what hope we have, guys, just keep in mind, if you can beat Portland State, we know that means you're an elite program. So fingers crossed that we can stay competitive. But yeah, get a quick start. Just make the game competitive and get out of there without any injuries for our bye week. Yeah. All right. For the quick little bit of optimism here, what has to go absolutely right for Idaho to win. Uh, my take will be easy. CJ Jordan, if he does get this as his game, his showcase game, I want him to literally look at Oregon State and go, you mothering, loving idiots did not give me an offer. Like, I'm going to show you how dumb you are and have him just like, you talk about the fire, Brian. I want <laughs> literally, CJ Jordan is like almost, if this game was to... If the game is to be an upset, if we're going to have 
this freaking F fear of the SCS be the ninth team to do it. It's going to be CJ Jordan led regardless. And CJ Jordan needs to come out and literally play like he's pissed that some of these schools pulled out on him and that a school in his own backyard has been a bottom dweller of the Pac-12 for a long time. And I'm a Beaver believer. They've stunk for a long time. I want him to play pissed off and also let Borish throw. Having a little bit more Borish probably would help. I think there's a chance Petrino saw a little bit better of an opportunity to beat Oregon State than Indiana. Oregon State, in theory, is a worse team than Indiana. Now, the margin of that, they're still Pac-12 school. It's not going to be that much. Um, but if there was a team more ripe for an upset, it's going to be Oregon State. Uh, it's optimism, so I'm not going to blow it by saying, but we'll probably won't pull it off. But, um, yeah, that's mine. CJ Jordan's just got to come out firing, and Oregon State needs to just get knocked backwards early. I think, yeah. I got to throw a question, Chris, real quick. And this is this actually jumps topics just because you referenced CJ. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance that part of why – I mean, I know you referenced the earlier strategy, but do you see a potential benefit of CJ not coming back in against Indiana being maybe strategy of like, okay, he's looking kind of it's, – it's looking a little bit shaky. We just don't want to risk any – inventing any sort of problems. We're going to give him a clean slate for Oregon State. We're just done. I, I think that's what I was saying immediately when the game – when I saw he wasn't coming back in basically because um, he looked fine. He wasn't hurt. So I was like, I think what they did is they were like, okay, we're giving this game to CJ. CJ, or sorry, uh, Mike. Mike did look like he was getting more comfortable. To be fair, CJ, freshman, has never played in front of 47,000 fans or whatever is there. Like, he got his feet wet. He got to hear it. Last time we played Oregon State, they had about 40,000. So maybe get him that adjustment. I think they went in and said, you know what? Like I said, he gives us the best chance against Oregon State, most likely, um, or at least in my opinion, I think so. I think maybe Paul's thinking that too, where he's like, if we're going to do it like, and give him a game, let's get him in, get his feet wet, and then let's save him for a full run at Oregon State. Plus, you're putting less film out there for Oregon State. Um, if I think Paul Paul's not going to roll over for two straight games. I think we're going to see a little bit more out of Idaho offensively against Oregon State. Um, but once again, if it gets out of hand like it did 21-0, probably not. I think Paul looked at that when, when it's time to put in CJ and said like, Honestly, there's not a lot left. We still have to keep some stuff for UC Davis. And we've got an, another opportunity to wreck this next week. Um, if we're going to beat UC, <laughs> UC Davis, we're going to beat Oregon State, um, we're going to have to go plus four in turnover margin probably and have some big plays. Um, newsflash, this game is in the Pacific Northwest in Western Oregon. It is supposed to rain Saturday. Who knew? Right. Shocker. Um, so, uh, which can actually be good and or bad for us. Um, wet weather. I don't know how hard the rain's going to be. Um, if This might be a better game for CJ because of uh, scrambling potential um, versus Mike. Um, this could be a boorish type game. Uh, you know, this could become, if weather does play a factor, wet ball, Maybe that causes some turnovers for Oregon State, but it also can make it sloppy for us and not great. We are not a team accustomed to playing in bad weather. Uh, we have not really played in bad weather since we have been in the big sky. So we haven't played in like a all-out rain oh, yeah. since Probably Louisiana in 20, 2014. Yeah. I don't think, guys, no. we have not played in the rain since 2014. 
Um, so not going to be great if, that, if that's the case. Um, so we really just need to take care of the ball if we're going to be Oregon State. We have to go plus four and turn over, and we got to take care of the football and make some plays. I want to see some big plays, right? Like I think that's the thing. If we can make some explosive plays, gets the fans out of their seat, uh, gets people clapping a little bit, um, I will be pretty pretty happy with that. Yeah. All right. That was Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips. Like you want to see the Perside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history all along the river's edge. Oh, and you get a fish, some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire flipping country. You just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandalized and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. Find out what it's like to catch dinner, grab the paddle, and ride the bull all throughout the great state of Idaho. Call now at 800 262 1882, or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Watching the TV, a.k.a. Big Sky Pick'em. Big, big, big week for Mr. Marceau. He increases his lead with an undefeated 12-0 and pick. Yeah, you, you get a round of applause, round of applause. But the rest of us are hot on your heels with a 11-1 record last week, which did nothing to catch us up because we are 19-4, and four, so we are all still... Two games behind Brian. How does that math? Does that work? Does that add up right? Okay. Everyone's shaking their head at me. I believe them. Uh, anyways, <laughs> math, not my strong suit. Um, all right. So let's pick them. Idaho at Oregon State. Boatman, it's got you listed first. So, um, Oregon State. So uh, for those of you. Uh, who pay attention to my ESPN predictor last week? I said Idaho is like a three and a half percent chance when according to ESPN. Guys, 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 we are four and a half, twice as much, two times more likely to win this game according to ESPN. Six point eight percent this week, guys. Okay, I'm going to say Oregon State by three and a half scores. Okay, uh, next up, it looks like Brian. We're changing, throwing a change up here. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm pick, just going with the, the outline. Sorry. Uh, I, no, it, it's okay. Like, we can produce in front of everyone. We've historically had person in, la- in first place go last. That's fine. Idaho is going to lose me. Oregon State's going to win something like 45-24. Okay. Uh, I'm up next. Um, I think special teams will be improved. There's no way we have 14 points. Well, I'm not going to say no way. We shouldn't have 14 points off turnovers. I think Idaho scores a little bit more points in this one. We lost to Indiana 56-14. I'm going to say this one, maybe we add an additional six points somewhere. I'll give it like uh, 45-20 Oregon State. Boy, that's just about what I was thinking. Um, I'll go with 48-17. Okay. So uh, everybody's sitting at about tw- about three and a half scores. Nice job, Boatman. Um, we'll switch back to the normal way of picking and just go around the horn, saving Brian for last. Um, San Diego at Montana State. Uh, I guess I'm up first in that case. I will take the Bobcats at home over the Toreros. Big. 
I mean, Cal Poly beat him big. Like, big, big. Hammer? Sorry, didn't realize it was me next. Uh, yeah, Neither did I. Mean, I. <laughs> San Diego is absolute trash. Montana State by a million. Boatman? <laughs> Bobcats and Bozeman. <laughs> and Brian, you taking the Toreros? You did take them last week, didn't you? No, that was Boatman. Somebody did. No, I I am doing quite well staying the hell away from picking San Diego. My question was week one, do I pick San Diego or Cal Poly? And I managed to go Cal Poly. Montana State's going to win this big. Montana State's doing just what Montana's doing, padding those uh, not very good FCS wins, but they matter for the playoffs. Really, I'm just wanting to see if Matt McKay looks solid like he did last week, threw for 256 against Drake, but Drake also sucks too. Uh, Dallas, as I see, producer Dallas doing some great producing right now because he's spot on, I imagine. Uh, Sac State at Cal. Cal. Sac State, by the way, looking like Chris was more right on him than what people gave me credit for. They don't look very good, but it's early. Sac State's defense looks pretty good. Um, They're definitely questioning their quarterback situation, but Cal, all the way Cal. Give me the Bears in Berkeley. I'm going to double down on my early season take on Sac State, which is I still think they're solid. Um, they're competitive against UNI in spite of having six turnovers. Uh, if they can figure out how to not get six turnovers, which I believe in them, I think I think will be better. But their quarterback situation isn't resolved. I uh, yeah, that was a that was a really really long answer for Cal's going to win this obviously. All right, uh, next up, Lamar at Northern Colorado. Maybe the first true true test of Northern Colorado. I know Houston Baptist, a lot of people you know, saw what they were able to do against uh, Texas Tech, but they lost their two wide receivers and quarterback. Uh, that team was not very good. Lamar should be better. Um, I think this is one where Northern Colorado gets it. I think I think the long grass of Greeley, which has been holding them back. I think this turf, they're at home for the first time uh, with this record. Decent, better than expected game against Colorado. A whooping of Houston Baptist. I think Greeley might have a sellout. Wow. Win. I I love that. Uh, I don't know about sellout, but definitely Northern Colorado. Well, they only need, uh, what, like 6,000 people to do it. Yeah, it's true. There's but like still. there's already 5,000 McCaffreys on the coaching staff, so <laughs> you only need to find 1,000 more people. <laughs> But yeah, Northern Colorado. Uh, Lamar, if you look at the Sagarin rankings, uh, not that that's like the end all be all, but Lamar is not good uh, at 222. all. 222. Yeah, I was just looking at the same thing, Dallas. Um, Northern Colorado is right ahead of Idaho in Sagarin ratings, right, ratings by six spots. Um, so give me the Bears. Give me Northern Colorado in Northern Colorado. Right. The intrigue here, out of, I'm going to pick Northern Colorado. The intrigue here is Dylan McCaffrey, uh, starting quarterback for Northern Colorado, went down with an injury. Uh, it's just generically described as upper body at this point. And his reserve, uh, Martin's his last name, shout out to our Martin. But uh, backup quarterback for Northern, for Northern Colorado, Connor Martin, was twice as effective um, as Dylan McCaffrey in terms of like yards per throw and throwing more touchdowns. So, uh, there might be a QB controversy brewing in, in McCaffrey land. Let's see if Does you're going to double up. Does ball move to Greeley? Well, I mean, if you're going to double up and throw two touchdowns, uh, people got to pay attention. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I pick Northern Colorado. I think they're going to they're going to keep looking great early. Then they're going to come down to earth with their schedule in the Big Sky. 
All right. Uh, next up, Eastern Washington, Western Illinois. God, directional schools stink. Eastern, big. Yeah, this game's going to be a bloodbath. Eastern. Give me the Eastern Eagles out east. Yeah, Eastern Washington. They're also looking. Uh, oh, ooh, I like that. I like the, that. The uh, most east Eastern Washington's going to play all year. And they're playing yeah. west. They're playing Western Illinois. Western anyway. Illinois. <laughs> it, it, it's a directional maze. Boatman made sure to remind us of. Thank yes. God, Alex. Um, yeah, Eastern Washington. Um, look, beating Central Washington means nothing. But uh, hey, the, they still look fine against UNLV, obviously. I'm curious to see if they do, uh, if Eastern does continue to look like they're going to handle physicality a little bit better, which just means if they beat the hell out of Western Illinois, then maybe we read into it that they're doing better. Uh, but Eastern wins for sure. All right, next up, Western Oregon at Portland State. I'm doing a quick Google map to see if it is east of Portland State. Uh, it is. That's also crazy. I love directional schools. Uh, Portland State, I mean, how do you not take the team that uh, we were discussing pre-show is obviously better than Penn State because they are a top five Big Sky program. I mean, you have to take the top five Big Sky program every time. Uh, PSU all the way. Yeah, give me the home team in Hillsboro, otherwise known as uh, the Portland State Vikings, not in Portland. The Hillsboro Vikings. <laughs> so the uh, Portland State wins the two interesting things. Right now you can buy tickets for as low as $13 for this game. which is I'm just I'm just That's high. Yes, wow. but uh, second, Bruce Barnum allegedly is offering to pay anyone's beer tab today, or this Saturday at Hillsborough High. I, uh, I'll find the tweet. Allegedly, so Dallas. So I'll find the tweet so Dallas can throw it up there. It is published by a Portland area reporter. Barnum's allegedly saying, "If you tell the bartender, yeah, uh, Barnum, Barnum bought it for me." He's from the Oregonian, so he's verified. This is a verified Twitter account, so it's yeah, a, it's a true story. So over under. Will this lead to more than 3.9 people getting drunk? Under. Under. Well, no, now I'm going over because world to the wise, for those that don't know, I'm going to JMU Weber State this weekend. Scratch that. I'm going to Portland State to hang out with Bruce Barnum. We're officially at four. <laughs> uh, next game, another directional school. It's fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Southern Utah Welcome playing more south than Southern Utah in – uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area and Tarleton State neutral site game. Where are they? Where are they playing? Arlington? What? Huh? No. The Star? I... Maybe? That's wild. Anyways, uh, well now that throws me all off. I oh, really want to take. No, you know I'm sticking with it. They're in the wet. Yeah, you looked that up. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Texans. I I feel like that was a dumb choice. I feel like Southern Utah is gonna win this, but like that, the whole whack thing, I just. I'm not over it. Although I'm happy they're leaving. It's just, <laughs> you know, I want to kick them out, not have them leave. I would have loved to kick them out as well. Uh, just for anybody that's morbidly curious, this is being played at Globe Life Field. For oh, some that's, that's, the, that's the old baseball field. So The ballpark cool. in Arlington. The ballpark yeah. in Arlington. That's actually kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember I'm what jealous. it's called now. Um, Globe Life Park. Like, yeah. Globe Life so. Park. I think it's been renamed, but anyways. Oh, it's true. Anywho. That's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Southern Utah. Yeah, uh, give me a uh, give me the Thunderbirds over Tarleton. 
I'm going to go Southern Utah as well. But to me, this is a litmus test of if the magic we saw to Justin Miller in the spring is not fool's gold, he's got to look good against his, in his first FCS game. And again, Idaho fans, don't we get to get so dang, so damn pissed that people like Sac State, people like Southern Utah get an FCS game. We'll get there someday. But yeah, Southern Utah. Hey, we got Drake next year who just got stomped by Montana. About damn time. That's what we hey, need. That's what we hey, need. And I'm we got Dixie stay. State coming in the future. I'm not going to say rolling through the six with my. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say you should say thank you to me, but just you're welcome. Kind. Mm, no, I'm just saying. Uh, I I I had worked with Tim Mooney on that one a little bit. Anyway, keep going on. I just love how we're at our sixth game, and it took us that long for one person to stray. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, all the other games were garbage. Uh, South Dakota State at Cal Poly. South uh, Dakota, uh, not not South Dakota State. They just beat. Yeah, sorry, South Dakota. The Yotes. Yeah, the yeah, Yotes okay. just beat. NAU, not a good look for the team I thought could be sneaky this year. Fork and A, Cotton, like, uh, I guess Cal Poly could South Dakota us last week, and we'll all be like, holy crap, maybe Cal Poly's legit, but uh, I'll take Poly. Yeah, you want to not I can't believe it. I don't know why. What, I'm going to lose this week. I quit. I love it. I mean, again, as the big Bo Baldwin guy here, I love that. There is no way in hell. South Dakota. Yeah, give me uh, give me South Dakota and San Luis Obispo. Beautiful, by the way. Make it there if you have a chance. Yeah, I think we're in slow next year, maybe. Yeah, so the South Dakota resume includes a narrow loss at Kansas, in which the Kansas fans stormed the field. Well. We could be Kansas. I, I exactly. <laughs> this is just to make fun of Kansas. Think of all the millions of dollars that have been poured into that program, including bringing over Les Miles and their store. Les Miles is not there anymore. But anyway, that's a ton. They had Charlie Weiss there for a while. Yeah. Kansas has pissed money away on football with no, with nothing to nothing show for to show it to for. the point that they are storming the field against an FCS team that is not going to come close to winning its conference. And then South Dakota annihilated NAU uh, 34-7. So, uh yeah, South Dakota wins this. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. I'm going to save this one for last, actually. We got one good game. Uh, Northern Arizona at Arizona. Oh, God, jeez. Arizona. I mean, Jesus. What is, this week is so boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pac-12 school, it's Arizona. Come on. Yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take Zona in Zona over the directional Zona. Yeah, I voted NAU last in our Big Sky Power Rankings poll, and I will try to find a way to vote them 15th after this game. Arizona wins. <laughs> All right, next up, Dixie State, or I guess soon to be Utah Tech, uh, versus UC Davis, uh, Aggies. Which would be yeah, UC uh, Davis, for those that don't know. UC Davis by a mile. Davis over Dixie. Yeah, Hunter Rodriguez is looking like a much better passer than he did in the spring. And UC Davis looks looks for real. So UC Davis, easy. Yeah. I, use, then- I, use a, I use alliteration in all my answers, if you guys can pick up on that. And it made me really proud of myself to figure a creative answer every time. So cheers to me. Cut, cheers cut. To yeah, thanks. <laughs> Here's a star. Uh, uh, next up, big one, big one, big one. Number three versus number nine or ten. Uh, James Madison traveling to Ogden, Utah to play the Weber State Wildcats. I'm going to be there. I'm stoked as stoked could be. Uh, I'm going to go neutral wear purple here. I'm almost half tempted to not pick 
So I'm afraid there'll be quite a bit of James Madison fans and uh, Weaver fans bought my ticket. Uh, I mean, possibly no Bronson Barron. I think this one might be bad for Weaver. Dukes. Yeah, I don't think that Weber matches up great with JMU. I, I'm going JMU. The Dukes dominate. Yeah, uh, Chris Bronson Barron certainly, uh, based off reporting out of Weber, uh, shouldn't be playing, and that means they may they may play as many as three quarterbacks against James Madison. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean Weber, no question, they're good, but I just don't think they're going to win this game. I, I do. I will point out though, pretty brave non-conference game to schedule. Uh, we like Montana, the Montana schools have multiple FCS games, which is cool, but they don't actually schedule anyone. They, they schedule wins. This is a real question. Yeah. Top 10, top 10 game. And they, this is also a home and home. So uh, for next season. So congrats, Weaver. You're not going to win, but keep doing it. I have a and, question real quick. How, yeah. why does Western Illinois, like how much, like, are they like a quasi big sky school? Because I swear to God, they play like a Montana or an Eastern. And Drake, every, I think they just flop every like, freaking year, but I don't get it. Like, like why is Western Illinois? Like, why are they the big sky body bag game? Like, how why, is, why do they sell themselves to us? Like I get Drake's a pioneer league, non-scholarship football, but. What the hell is Western I, Illinois? I, wait, wait, Alex, here. you're in athletic administration and you don't know about the Western Illinois Big Sky Challenge? Uh, I mean, the the Leathernecks of Western Illinois? Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't know about that that official yeah. Western Illinois Big Sky <laughs> Challenge? <laughs> Every year, like, like it's amazing to me. Like, do they not want to – they only come out west. They don't want to, like, I don't know, schedule, like, a, a CAA school occasionally. It's like Villanova. They're like, oh, let's go play Montana. Sure, why not? I think the again. issue is we have that challenge from Missouri Valley. And Western Illinois is the obvious bottom feeder of God. So it's just it's more noticeable because they get beat every year by somebody. Every new. year, like tw- they, I swear they're like a big sky school. We should just invite them. Like screw it, might as well. No, I've like, heard yeah, Macomb right. is someplace I could totally. I would rather How go to Cedar City. Macomb? Like not even iffy and butts about it. Who has a better track around their field? Sacramento State used to be the winner, but the gold isn't as bright anymore. Uh, Leathernecks have a pretty nice looking track because they have like a four student student section behind one of the end zones. God, what a- I'm I will just defer to saying I'm not a track expert. What a place! All right, I'm, we'll call I'm, Eric Heisaw for the answer. That was- <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, and then the last one we have a Tubbs at the club derby this weekend as the West Hand Hammers. I'm trying to bring the hammer down against Glory Glory Man United. Um, I'll look, we'll get our picks in first here, Brian. Uh, I'm sorry, Boatman. I am laying behind the hammers in this one. I think I think Man U is fine. They'll do fine. Cristiano is fine, but hammers. He's fine. He's fine. Brian, fine, right? Pick, he'll be uh, he'll be good. Brian, you can pick draw there. here. There is a third option. You can pick a draw. So, I already have my strategy. Oh, uh, I, I was going to wait for you guys to go. Oh, oh no, we're okay. it's their game. They're going last. Okay, <laughs> Dallas. Who? My, here's my strategy. Dallas, you have to answer. Who do you want to win? Who do I want to win? Yeah. Oh, he's at West Ham's my, team. I'm, my team, West Ham. And who is West Ham playing? Man United. Man United's going to win. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Fair that's, strategy. That's a pretty good strategy. <laughs> hey, yeah. you don't lose that energy. You started this podcast with an MMFS, all right, baby? We need hey. that energy still. Things hey. are turned around in the Hammer household. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris, you said we're going to lose. You, you realize that we have the longest non-losing streak in Premier League history, right? Like we haven't lost an away game in the Premier League since like 2019. So that's a bold, bold take there. Give me, give me United. We're gonna win like two by two goals. We're gonna outscore West Ham three to one because that's all we do is just score. So, so you didn't lose in a season where there was no fans. Congratulations. Well, uh, <laughs> we're in the Champions League. Uh, have fun in the Europa Conference League. This is fun. This is why soccer's great. Good thing Sean's not here. Sorry, so, Dallas. You're good. Um, I gotta go, Man United. Um, for anybody for anybody that that follows uh, the Premier League, Mikhail Antonio, one of West Ham's three best players, realistically their only striker, he got a red card in the last game and is not going oh, to be I playing. Didn't. So I did know. not know that they're going to have oh, to go false nine with somebody. Jared Jared Bowen, it's Jared I, Bowen season. I'll Maybe, take it. I'll I'll stick um, with my guns. Not a chance. Maybe in the EFL Cup on next Wednesday. Maybe there's a better chance, yeah. but. Chris backing Jared Bowen over Cristiano Ronaldo. Just I'm think about backing. that. I just want to give Dallas a little support. I didn't know he was going to throw his own team under the bus. Oh, God. There's no way they win. <laughs> Did no, you no, ever watch any of our basketball team. episodes, Chris? <laughs> Sadly, a lot of them, but I was pretty drunk for all of them. So. Uh, uh, anywho, hammer down segment. Dallas, you got 30 seconds to a minute. Anything you think we missed or are you on a lament about uh, how correct somebody was? I think you watched um, the filibuster about soccer. I did think about filibustering about soccer oh, or football. Um, I just, I kind of wanted to just go over really quickly. Let Boris throw. Um, I, it obviously didn't do anything against Indiana. Not that it, not that anybody was going to do a whole lot against Indiana, but that's what I want to see this weekend. I want to see CJ get the bulk of the snaps to kind of even it out between him and Beaudry. And I'd like to see Boris actually do something out there. What the hell is the point of trotting out a quarterback quote-unquote quarterback, if he's going to run the read option, and we're all pretty positive he's going to get screamed at by Paul if he even attempts to throw it once. So what's what's the point? You're not tricking anybody. I know that Paul, we've all, we all make the jokes about Paul gets his jollies off about being so smart and sneaky with people, but you're not doing anything by trotting out a quarterback that's essentially just an extra running back out there. Nobody's going to fall for it. It's not going to do anything. Let the guy throw, and maybe let's let's try a little bit of trickeration here. That's that's my rant. Is hashtag let Boris throw, hashtag trickeration. All right, I'm all in it, and you can tell our listeners are officially over. So so are we. We went from like 12 concurrent listeners to three. Oh, we're up to five. Anywho, closing the bar. Uh, make sure you check in the Vandals play on the Pac-12 North Network. I believe I saw or Pac-12 Oregon. It's not even not even on the regular Pac-12 Network. I believe I saw. Uh, anywho, thanks, well, that makes sense. Thanks, George. Know. Thanks, thanks, George Klivikoff. I thought you were better than Larry Scott, but I guess not. And so, yes. So the game's gonna be a little hard to find, 
But, you know, if you want to tune 1230 Pacific time, 130 Mountain, uh, the Vandals would sure like to see you. I know there's going to be a clan of Vandals going down. Oh, gosh, the clan. We're back to that. Uh, groups of Vandals going down. to the <laughs> to just pull the plug on this. You could say, you could, we're not, you could say. We're still off the rails. You could we'll say see tribes. You guys the next one. Tribes go Vandals. vandals. Holy smokes. What an episode. Go Vandals. Woo. Go Vandals. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the crowd. All just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.